This is the moment many wait for. The most entertaining. A man of wisdom. A man of experience, Dave. The most informative. To bring light to a dark subject. To bring positivity to a negative world. The incredible Paul Moyer. Moyer out, you losers. The incredible Paul Moyer with us each and every week, and he is with us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. How are you, Paul? I'm doing well, and after listening to Mike McDonald and all the press conference, uh, you guys aren't losers. I, I, I just want you to know. I, I, we got to take that out at the end. It's negative. I got to build you guys up. You're the best. You're the best at what you do, and I'm just thankful to be a part of this today. <laughs> I always assumed you were talking to the listeners. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> now, I, I was going to ask you, hey, so how do you feel about the hire? But anybody who follows you on Twitter, Paul, is very aware of how you feel about the hire. You posted a picture of Mike McDonald, and you wrote, so you're saying he's driven, organized, and smart. If only he was chiseled and handsome. Oh, wait, he's got that covered, too. <laughs> That's, I mean, he's, yep. he's checking every box for you, Paul. He is. And I, I had sent uh, one, you know, a week ago as well and just watched him in his press conferences and how he coached. Um, you know, again, X's and O's are, you know, they, they change year to year. But how you communicate it, you know, to simplify it, I was just so impressed with what that time he, he was on his computer explaining and some of his blitz packages, how they actually use their alignment, but you know they always have somebody on a man. Which you know I'm, I, I don't want to be beaten up and pass coaches, but it, that's not what the Seahawks did. And so I, I'm just excited. I, I just think we have a really good coach. I think it's more important defensively to have a a great coach than it is offensively. And we, we can talk about the why, but. Defensively, I mean, you've got to have all 11 guys on the same page. And you've got to be able to do things that scheme but simplify. <clears throat> and it's probably even as much more important than talent. Whereas on offense, I think talent, it's everything. It's, you know, you, you can design all you want, but if you've got guys who are slow, can't catch the ball, can't protect, man, it doesn't matter your scheme. So um, really excited. Uh, and that was kind of the, the phrase of the day. I mean, John Schneider said excited, I think, 32 times. <laughs> and uh, Mike McDonald was, was pretty excited as well. Just a really mature man for his age. Well, we were just talking about this, Paul, that um, if you look at the, the new head coaches, like Jim Harbaugh, like from a national perspective, you're probably going, okay, the Chargers probably got, you know, the, the best one. But if you, if you put into focus the situation here, and and what we need and and also Schneider's ability to kind of farm people uh this is i think by far the most exciting one where you know i mean i know Antonio Pierce, Gerard uh, Mayo, those guys kind of like they they got their i'm not that excited about to see what what the, he can do but i feel like Mike McDonald kind of fits that bill here because it's such a seemingly anyway i don't know how similar he is by the way he said today he'd never met Pete Carroll yeah. Mike Mike McDonald, but um, it just seems like it's you know it's quite the departure from what we had here before, and maybe the one that's like most people are going to be curious about as far as his success. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see, Dave, on that. And you know, because obviously some of the stuff out there was, oh, this you know he's not a rah rah, or maybe he's not a dynamic personality. Man, I think he is. I, I'm in, I'm engaged when I listen to him, and that's what I look for. I don't need somebody to have voice inflection and you know everything's positive all the time you've got to be your own person you know and you know that the peripheral part of that 
But what he says carries so much weight. And, you know, I was watching his press conference, and, you know, I'll take it back. One thing that John Schneider wrote, and it's it's funny in business, you, you look for this, is, you know, change in the marketplace. You're looking for disruption. And, you know, I think that's what he found in Mike McDonald, because I, I need somebody who can change the marketplace, you know, defensively, disruption, you know, take us to a, to another level. Um, but I, I was watching the press conference, and I, I just couldn't believe his maturity, right? And, I mean, I, look, I think you're born with the it factor. I think he has that it factor. He just commands presence, and he's 30 – is he 36? 36. 36. 36 years old. Yep. Um, I remember when I was coaching and, you know, I, I came in, I was 28, 29. And, you know, at the end I was 32, I think, or 33, man, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I mean, I thought I was a decent coach, but I didn't know what I was doing in front of the players and the media and to not mince words. Um, it's just, this is an impressive guy. Now he got a lot of work to do now, right? Now, now we got to go make it happen. But uh, I would have been really disappointed if we didn't get him. And, you know, John would have got the guy he wanted, but I was really happy with uh, the results. Paul, what, one thing that Dave has been steadfast on is that if it, you know, this is before they made the move, obviously, but if whether it was Ben Johnson or whether it was Mike McDonald, that being as good as they were as coordinators, he wanted them to call that side of the ball. If it's Johnson, he's your OC. In this case, McDonald, you want him calling the plays on defense. And he said as much. He said that's what will happen. How, how do you feel about that as, in terms of uh, the workload for a first-time head coach? You know, first time he's in charge of everything. Do you, do you have any apprehension about that being too much responsibility at once? Or do you like the idea that he's going to maintain control of that defense and the way of play calling? Yeah, I think this is that uh, change in marketplace thing again, right? I mean, older, you know, it's older guys, older coaches, you know, you became, you, you evolved to more of a CEO type and you're involved in, you know, challenges and timeouts, you know, can't say we were great at that in the past at times. Um, I think because of the way the game has changed with these young guys, there's so many young coaches now that call plays. And I mean, even Andy Reed is still calling the offenses. Um, so I, I think as well, and they've got 52 coaches now, pretty much one coach per player. Yeah. And and I say that somewhat facetiously, but um, what that means is you're going to have an expert in, you know, the analytics, should we go for it on fourth down? Do we challenge things, you know, timeouts? You're going to have that and you're going to rehearse it. And as long as you feel comfortable that you can make, you know, all those calls and everything's organized, I think that's fine. I, I don't think you want to take away a guy who's been as successful as he has been calling the plays. You don't want to take that away from him, not early on. And, you know, two, three years down the road, maybe he evolves and he bring someone up from the ranks that he feels really comfortable with, but um, long-winded answer to, nope, don't mind it. Yeah, well, and I, I think you're right. We we talk to uh, other coaches in that situation. They're like, yeah, I'm going to call the plays, but three, four years down the road, maybe you you find somebody that can kind of be your you know your your right hand man. But um, yeah, the other thing, one thing I didn't I didn't I was going to ask this, but I thought, oh, maybe it's not the time for it. And I don't know if anybody else did, but as far as the selection of assistant coaches. If if you come in and you're you're Mike McDonald, Paul, are you like, hey, I'm I'm gonna pick all my guys? Do you think it was a collaboration? What do you think would be the best way to to handle that in this situation? 
Well, I think he's going to need John in in this because I don't know his network. Uh, you know, he's a, he's still a young coach, so even though he's got good pedigree, and he's going to have a network, obviously with the Harbaugh's and stuff. But you know, they've got guys. To, those are both head coaches now in the NFL that that have guys. So that's the tricky part, particularly offensively. I think that will be the biggest challenge. What they're going to do. Uh, and then to have a philosophy built around it defensively, I think it's going to be easier for him because he's been through, you know, the one thing when, you, when you're a, a, a defensive coordinator or an assistant coach in the NFL, you are going out and you're scouting, you know, college players, you're having an opportunity to watch scheme and, and talk with other coaches. So you get a pretty good idea, maybe what's out there in the college ranks as well. And now there's so many agents, you know, they're putting those guys out in front and they're building basically a resume for you. So, but I think he's going to need help uh, with John on that. Uh, Cause I just, you know, he just hasn't been around, you know, a hundred and 200 different coaches to choose from. Paul, is there anybody on the staff or on the, I guess now former staff, if you will, that you hope sticks around? We had heard uh, something that Carl Scott may be retained. There's nothing confirmed on that. But anybody that you look at on that staff you'd like to see remain with the with the Hawks? Well, we've lost a couple guys, obviously. I don't know who all uh, at this point, because I thought Carl Scott, you know, there was rumors, obviously, Philadelphia. I'd like to see Izzo, you know, stick around. I don't know if he signed with the Giants. There was rumors there as well. Um, I, I kind of listen to what Schneider says, you know, and you listen, you know, to what other people are saying about the other coaches. I think Carl Scott is a guy that they have great respect for. Uh, I think he'd be, you know, they can keep him and he gets to learn some of what, you know, Mike McDonald's scheme is. Uh, that has a chance to be really strong because now you keep your secondary coach intact. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it's just a way to communicate and you take some of the stuff Mike's teaching. Uh, that could be really strong. But but other than that, look, I, I think right now, God, man, it's just, it, it's sometimes just good to have fresh voices, you know, just a, a, a redo. Uh, right now, and I think it'll it'll energize the players. You, you get a new coach in there, you, you you've got to give a little more effort too, right? Because that old coach that used to love you and knew all your strengths and weaknesses isn't there anymore to protect you. So um, I think I think it's going to be healthy, and I think he's going to be the right guy to lead it. You know, one of the things he did say today, um, Paul John Schneider, that is, is he goes, you know, we start talking, and we know a lot of the the same people. And, you know, and I remember you had talked about this, Paul, as a solution for, you know, hiring, you know, more diverse coaches and things like that, like a network of, you know, the NFL having and they they kind of have those things, right? Like they they have the senior bowl, they have the, you know, mm-hmm. the combine and, and that's, you know, and you ran in those circles for a while. That's mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that gives me a lot more confidence that, you know, that. John says, hey, they know a lot of the same people, but also just um, as far as when you were coaching, was that that big of a deal that you were networking and talking to other guys at different events? And who, what were some of the events that you went to as a coach? Well, back then we didn't have as many. And I, I think one thing you were talking about, Dave, is I've always advocated that if you really want to um, you know, get more diversity with head coaches, when I hire somebody in business – if I know them or they come recommended, I mean, they move to the very top. I mean, that's just human nature. I trust that. I, I know that person. And I've always said, you should have all the defensive coordinators, all the offensive coordinators. They should make it mandatory one week 
you, you, you go to a resort and you're hanging out with owners and GMs who just get to know each other. You're not necessarily talking huge X's and O's, but it's just a relationship network building. Yeah. I don't know if they'll ever do it because, you know, they're worried about people poaching, but they're going to poach you anyways. But when I was coaching, there was really only two spots. I mean, there were some other things that there were some coaches clinics, but it was uh, the combine where you got a chance to really network with other coaches and you're talking about the players. And then it's the senior bowl. Um, the senior bowl, you're down there. All the coaches are there, particularly those who are looking for a job. Yeah. Um, the other thing where you get a chance, and I got to know a, a bunch of guys. Matter of fact, first time I got to met uh, Jeff Fisher, he and I were in Miami scouting a couple of their uh, defensive backs, and we just sat in their film room and we watched. Oh, I don't even know twenty games. You know, not even Miami. Other, you know, we pulled tape that they had of a couple other teams that we were going to go out and scout. And we got to talk X's and O's. We got to know each other. Yeah, I got a chance to ride in limos with. Uh, um, Dave Wanstead and uh, not Jerry. Yeah. Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. You, you just, you start to build a network that way. Um, he's young now, I man. He's 36, you know? So I don't know how many opportunities he's had of that. Whereas John's going to know way more guys. And so again, they're going to, they'll bring in a good pool. Hey, I asked Dave this earlier. I'm curious to get your take on the defense and, and what, in your opinion, is a realistic expectation in, in the way of improvement? Like if you're going to quantify it with numbers, because we talked about where they rank in different categories and they're towards the bottom in just about everything, whether it's you know points allowed, rushing yards allowed, total yards allowed, you know, they're 28, 30, 31, what have you. And I was... I, I'm trying to be realistic and not, you know, go crazy. They got to be a top 10 defense, but Dave said, you know, I feel like they have top 10 talent and maybe that is realistic to expect that this is a top 10 defense next year. Do you, is that too much? Or do you think that is a realistic expectation the first year? Yeah. I mean, look, if we're just looking at, you know, look, law of averages, statistics, I and mean, that's a big jump. However, I, I really, when you look at the, some of the breakdowns we had last year, uh, some of it, you know, just not great tackling. Uh, to me, we haven't been a physical football team. That's one thing that Mike McDonald called. Are we going to call him? Are we going to give him a nickname? I mean, that's just a long. Is it going to be Coach Mack or something he, like that? Or? He said yeah, today I mean, on uh, with uh, with Stacy and Bump, they said we're going to call you Coach Mack. He's like, uh, let's not let's not go there. <laughs> you, you do, hey, Coach Mike, yeah. Coach so don't call him Mack. I think, yeah. Coach Mike, I don't know. Just that it was, it's long, so I'm sure there something will evolve from. So Coach McDonald, um, I, I th he, he talked about we're going to be a physical football team. Everybody talks about it. Everybody says that when they go into camp, we're going to be more aggressive and we're going to be physical. Yep, you know, no one's ever said we're going to be less aggressive and not as physical. Um, so, yeah. but there's also you go watch his teams; they play physical. Some of it's players, but some of it's accountability. Some of it's we will not tolerate this if you don't. And I, I, so I think we get uh, immediate improvement there as well. And that's going to take some player changes. The, you go and look at our defense the last five years, there's kind of been one constant really over the last four years. You know, I mean, really, there's been – <laughs> there's been a lot of movement in the secondary. There's been a lot of movement on the defensive line and been a lot of movement at linebacker. And again, the way the game has changed, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse here. We got to get people in there that attack, know how to truly cover 
And if you go watch Baltimore, they attack. And once they recognize what's going on, they are locked in on players. And it is, it's, it's a sight to watch. It's, it's so much fun. So I think that, I think how we teach scheme, I, I think what we're going to see different um, for you, Bob, is if, if I asked you the last three years, four years, what's our identity on defense? What do we play? What do we hang our hat on? I don't know. Nothing. Is it cover two? Is it six? Is it man? Is it three deep? No, exactly. I don't know. So I felt like we were always tweaking, and and that's fine. You're gonna do. You're gonna make those adjustments. But when you come out of camp, man, these guys better know how to play 80, 90 percent of formations and routes with your bread and butter defense. And then you make little tweaks from there. I think that is going to be a, a big difference maker. And I think the one thing is he's, he's, he's a, a disruption or change the marketplace kind of guy. Go and watch how he coaches. And I, I was sold in 10 minutes listening to him. I go, I could play for that. And so, yeah, I, top 10, why not? Top 15, I think that should be our, our realistic goal, though. Yeah, Paul, we did that for um, – I stole that idea from me because you texted me the video of uh, Mike McDonald calling defenses and stuff. And, um, yeah, we talked – you had sent that to me, and, and the thing that stood out to me is that it's like just a couple of words. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I was saying this yesterday. My brother always says this. If you want directions from point A to point B, how to get there, you want the least words possible. And he said, you know, in that in that video, there was a couple of things where like, okay, we're just going to call this barrel. And everybody knows what this is. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought that was that was pretty amazing that he's able to. And John said he wanted to get teachers. And that that's who Carl Scott is. Um, and, you know, that's. To me, if you have a coach like that that can keep things simple, I mean, that's what you always wanted on defense, right? You don't want all these rules. You don't want all these exceptions. You just want, hey, let, let's just keep it simple. We're not going to be able to defend everything. And let's allow, you know, have a, a player-friendly defense where it's like you're, you're not thinking too much. You're just attacking. Yeah. No, there's something freeing about that. And, you know, it's uh... – it's not, it's, you know, it's not as easy as, you know, we make it out to be, you know, sometimes you need some complexity to it and there's some stuff you're trying to take away from. But if I really can go in and just lock in and I know the coverage and depending on a release or a formation or whether it's trips or 21 personnel, whatever it is, I got a 90% chance of knowing kind of what's going to happen. And once the ball snapped, I'm probably close to a hundred percent. That's and now I can just go play football yeah. and I can be more physical. Yes. I, and I think it's all that Look, it, we, we got to see they, Baltimore had some really good players. Yeah. All right? We're, we're going to find out next year. Is it the players or is it scheme? Yeah. Um, I think, I think a lot of it was scheme. I think we have some really good players who've got to step up their game and we're going to have to get a couple pieces to make Mike's coach McDonald's defense work. Yeah. Now you use some fancy terms there like trips and what was the other thing I can't, I don't really, Paul, I don't really understand. <laughs> you mean that's nasty? <laughs> Oh, man, that was funny. We we know what we're talking about. Look, today, you know, I don't play Madden. You don't play Madden. And my my son and them, it's funny, I'm on group text, and they they will throw out Madden terminology. And I was laughing, and I saw one. And 
w- there's one I think it's X nasty. It's just the formation. We Dave, yeah. we used to call it flex, which means the X was in a flex position. So you know what? That makes sense. We wanted we wanted just one word. I didn't want to go X nasty. That's two. That's two things yeah. going on there. Um, Less but, said, the better. Yes, but you know, at the same time, terminology changes, and it it was fun. So hopefully, no one's mad at me for. No, no, it was it was good. It's funny, you know. It just a. I mean, look, it's, it doesn't mean you don't know football, but if you don't know all the terminology, I mean, everybody has a different... Now, by the way, did you notice that, that, you know, was it fairly a, a fairly universal language when you were coaching more than no. it is now, or is it everybody is pretty much different, what they call things? No, I think it's it's way more universal now. Now, and that, that offensively, they... They they have all kinds of funky things going on, right? I mean, you know, we I can't remember what we, they they call dagger. I can't remember what we, we used to call, but um, I would say a lot of those formations it, it started to evolve in the '90s um, when all of a sudden there was a pattern tree. You know, you started you know one through nine, mm-hmm. so they were trying to make it so if you went from team to team. You weren't completely lost in terminology. Um, we didn't have 21, 12 personnel back then. They were just kind of starting to some teams, and and they got together and said, "Hey, if we all use the same again terminology here, it makes it so much easier to go from team to team." But we had Dave, we had purple personnel, twin personnel, yeah. uh, regular personnel. I mean, trips per. I mean, it's it was all over the board, but. And I know we got to wrap here, but Tom Catlin was so good at everything he did had a reason for it. You know, yes. where the backs were offset, whether it was deuce, dual, or double, right? You knew which side the back was on. And so there was a lot of things that made sense to us. I tried to teach that in high school. They looked at me like I was the dumbest person in the world. <laughs> and they, really did. they go, you mean, you, you mean 21 personnel, right? I go, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, <laughs> you don't know ball. Change. You don't know ball, Paul. That's what no, it is. I don't. Very yeah. much. <laughs> Paul, you're the uh, best. We thanks, appreciate Paul. it as we do each and every week, man. Have a great weekend, and we will talk again next week. All right, guys. Moyer out. You guys are the best, and I'm excited <laughs> about this hire. Go Hawks. I love it. There you go. Paul Moyer, everybody. If you missed any of that conversation, it will be on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Coming up, how will Mike McDonald's defense adapt to the Seahawks roster? We're going to get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks once again to Paul Moyer. In case you guys just tuned in and missed that conversation, it will be on the podcast page at seattlesports.com after the show. Always good stuff with Paul, who is very excited about this hire. He's he's a big fan of what Coach McDonald Coach Mac Daddy is one of our texters suggested. Stop it. <laughs> it's going to take off now. I'm guessing if want... he doesn't want to be called Coach Mac, that Coach Mac Daddy is a non starter. No. <laughs> Let's not uh, be the uh, show of record for that. that yeah, we got, no, no, no. Like when you and Graz got the Legion of Boom. That's and, right. And we on this show got the Grunge Plunge. 
Yeah. So say we are the show of record for some notable Seahawks things. Yeah. So, but yeah. not, yeah, maybe. Not Mac Daddy, please. <laughs> no, no. I just throwing it, you know, it came from one of the texters who's, I, I, I think we might have to stick with Coach McDonald. It sounds like that's, that's the direction he may want to go. But he's a defensive minded coach, which addresses the most pressing concern for this team, which was their defense or is their defense. Uh, but he, he talked about. You know, a lot of things in this in this uh, press conference, but outlines his plan for this defense. Yeah, right now, right now, the plan is I'll be calling the plays um, now, depending on who the defensive coordinator is and when uh, when that becomes that ultimately I'm the head coach of the football team. So I want to coach the football team. And right now, the best way that we can win is, in my opinion, is for me to call the plays. And then when it becomes obvious that. Um, someone else is ready to go, and we see it the same way. Then, then we'll make that we'll make that change. The most stunning thing about that soundbite right there is that we didn't hear Dave Wyman stand up in the middle of that statement and start <laughs> clapping. Start. I just pictured the second I heard him say that, I went, "Oh, Dave is smiling ear to ear right now." <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a lack of that last year. We were not the f- most physical team, and that's that's something that. Um, you know, needs needs to get fixed now. Paul is that said, not holding guys accountable? Like they, you see guys, you you're showing me all these different, you know, cuts of the film on the all twenty two, and look at what he did here. He's supposed to be here, and look at what he's doing. Is that because the coaches just look? They don't point that out. They're not emphasizing that when when they're on Tell the Truth Monday and all those things. I think they got away from it. I think they got away from that because, yeah, there was, and and there are certain individuals I think that are bigger violators than others. And um, but you know, I, I just when I talked about the the Steeler game, that that was kind of that game encapsulated the frustration of what our defense was about. That was not a team. They came in here with a second string running back, uh, quarterback, mm-hmm. and you know they had a ton of injuries on their defense. I mean, there was like seven of their top tacklers were were down. Did we even face TJ Watt in that game or did No. I, I don't think he, he was play. and the and then the running backs had not rushed for over 100 yards in any game up until that game. Hmm. Yeah, individually. The, they individually. Yeah, they they were good running backs and I to me I thought they were going to come in there and and run it all over us and they did actually throw the ball a little bit but then they ran it all over us. So yeah, it was just it, it was it was really terrible. And I, that's a good question, Bob. That's that's the thing. I mean, like guys need to be benched. And I, I felt like maybe there was that that thing. And I don't care who it is. Right. If you're not doing the job that we need to get done here, and I don't know if it was clear. I don't know if it was clear enough of what was and wasn't hurting the defense. Um, you know, but not attacking the line of scrimmage. And just this is the first year, Bob, I remember as an analyst anyway, or even, you know, just working the pre and post game shows where I complained about tackling more than ever. Tackling was was ridiculous. Uh, so, you know, I feel like maybe uh, McDonald, he might be the kind of guy like Dan uh, Campbell, who has full speed, you know, tackle to the ground. I mean, that that's one thing that I think the only way you can get better at tackling is by tackling. I mean, you can simulate it in practice. Now, you don't want to be doing it late in the season, but and you can't. You can't even put the right. pads on and hit each other, but I just feel like every chance you you don't want to go out there and get guys injured, but, you know, look, Detroit went through it, and they do that every year. There's lots of teams, and I was on lots of teams that we went full go, man. I mean, it was tackle to the ground in double days. And, um, 
you know, there there weren't a huge rash of injuries. Everybody's so afraid of injuries that I feel like you don't get that kind of practice during the week. So yeah, that that to me is to answer your question. Yeah, I think I think there were certain players that needed to be benched, and they weren't. Yeah, and it, I don't know why. I, I you hope there's accountability if that's the case. If you're if you're able to sit there with the all twenty two and go, look what happened here. Well, look what this guy's doing, and look how this guy attacked it. And and it when you explain it that way, it, it looks obvious. So I'm going, all right. Well, if you're seeing it, the coach has got to see it, and the players got to see it when they're yeah. watching themselves. Their eyes are automatically going to go to where was I on this play when it's up on the on the on the screen there. How are you not seeing yourself kind of yogging? Long gone. Oh yeah, I was sort of in the play, but not not really. I was more of a spectator. Yeah, and those videos that I've bothered you guys with over the years. <laughs> I mean, you look at it and go, look in any football room. I don't care if it's high school. The coach is calling this guy out. Yeah, he's he's zipping under a block and just hiding himself, or he's you know jumping a short route, or he's you know just jogging, you know, or just burying himself in a pile and not trying to move around. I mean, there was all of those things and i'm like i just know this i when some of the stuff that i looked at this year especially i knew if i when i played i would have gotten fired i would have definitely benched for sure and possibly fired yeah it's just nobody was really i I don't think there was as much accountability uh, on defense so you know, and you need to have that threat you need to have that like i'll put the next best guy in there if you're not going to go Full speed, you know, I mean, this, the second stringer is still a really good football player. He made the NFL team. Mm-hmm. So and you look at like guys like John Radigan and then Nick Bloor, it's like those guys are still really good football. Now, they're not as good as the guys in front of them. Well, Bloor's a pro bowler, man. Huh? Bloor's a pro oh, yeah, bowler. Per, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that that to me did did not get done, and it needs to just be very strict, and it doesn't need to be personal. It just needs to be, hey, this is our standard and if you can't play this way, yeah. and you can't look at your, if you can look yourself in the mirror afterwards and say, hey, I went as hard as I could every time, fine. That's that's what we're looking for. Uh, Mina Kimes was on with Bump and Stacy talking about a hire in her mind that, that Coach McDonald could make to help balance his lack of head coaching experience. I think back to Sean McVay when he was hired by the Rams, and there were a lot of question marks around that at the time. You guys yeah. remember it was about he was actually younger, but and one thing he did that I thought was so smart was he brought in Wade Phillips, coach defense, and said, hey, you got defense. <laughs> Let's do that at first. And I think that sort of is something that would benefit McDonald as well offensively. That's a hire that still has to be made. But if he can find someone he can trust and sort of enlist him to handle that side of the ball so that he doesn't feel too much responsibility in year one, I think that would be very helpful. So she's kind of going opposite of what we're hearing, at least the rumor from pro football talk is that Ryan Grubb is under consideration. Doesn't yeah. mean he'll get the job, but that's a guy that doesn't have the that experience at this level. So that that sort of flies in the face of that. And and I get the logic behind that. That your young coach, I think, wasn't McVeigh thirty one when he got that job. I believe he was thirty one. Yeah, so because, even younger. Yeah, Madden was still the <laughs> the youngest coach at thirty. Yeah. So he, you know, young guy. That that makes sense. I get it. Let's let's balance it out. You don't have the experience, but this guy's been there. He's seen it all. He can help with the transition. Yeah, yeah. So it uh, doesn't have to be that. No, but the, the the logic I get. I get what you're saying. It'd be interesting, by the way, if it was Ryan Grubb who 
hasn't officially, I guess, taken the job at Alabama as offensive coordinator, but he has a pretty healthy past with Kalen DeBoer. Going back to, like, Sioux Falls, South Dakota State, he was at Fresno State. And it's funny, he left for Fresno State early uh, from Sioux Falls, or I think, yeah, that that's where uh, him and DeBoer were together, and he had been at Fresno for a while. And then comes in, and uh, in comes Kalen DeBoer as the head coach, and then he follows him to Washington and Alabama. So I'd be, I don't know, maybe it's the money, but I'd be surprised if he he left Kalen DeBoer this, this early, uh, but... A lot of people here, I think, would enjoy that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Shannon Dreher. Oh, yeah. We already so got grumpy. text. <laughs> we got text. All the time. I love the grumpy Shannon. <laughs> grumpy old Shannon. Yeah. It's, it's... Not old. Just oh, grumpy right. You just removed that part. Yeah. yeah. She's um... not old. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very grumpy about that move. So there yeah. is a lot of spite out there. There are a lot of people who, who are eager to see that, you know, be a problem for DeBoer. Yeah, so absolutely. if they can be behind that problem, even better. <laughs> uh, coming up, free agency is going to be the most important path for the Seahawks improving this roster, especially on defense this offseason. We'll get into some of that conversation coming up and who's available. Who's available that they can attack in free agency? That's coming your way with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. That's until the uh, Pro Bowl festivities start at 4 o'clock, Dave. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to rush home for that. If you guys don't mind, I'll do the rest of the show from home because I really have to see uh, them play dodgeball. Is that your least favorite of all the Pro Bowl activities? Why don't they just make it like, remember Mr. Mom, where he had that obstacle course in his oh, yard? Oh, yeah, that bad, the, the rich boss guy. Yeah. And they let him the, win. Like a wheelbarrow race where you, you know, grab the guy's legs. <laughs> and then like guys, a little baby tricycle. Yeah. Thing. Going going <laughs> through the cones. It, yeah. I mean, look, the one thing that I love the most is the, the target thing yeah. with the quarterbacks. That part is cool. And like I said before... It was really exciting when they started doing that because Russ would just kill it every mm-hmm. time. The one they had in Las Vegas, he was just—I mean, there were—he was making every throw, and you know, some of those targets are, you know, maybe a foot and a half in diameter, and you, you look at, you know, from forty yards away, it, it's—it was impressive. So there's that, but I think they're going a little bit too far with the other stuff. But look, here's the thing: these guys are such stars that, like, you know, T.J. Watt. You're kind of curious to see how he does in dodgeball. Like, yeah. yeah. I or mean, if he's in the golfing thing, yeah. <laughs> the, whatever that is. Or, yeah, it, it's kind of cool to see them outside of what you normally see yeah. them doing, which is a football activity. But if Moyer had was made the Pro Bowl these days, he would be the golf guy. Would he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, d- yeah. I appreciate that they're trying to do something else because they realize that the actual product of the, the Pro Bowl game, people didn't like. So now it's not there. Now you got flag football. Now you're trying to find ways to bring fans in and see isn't if it, it works. Isn't it funny how our we've shifted on this? Because there was a, a, a two or three years where the transition was like nobody's hitting each other. Yeah. And they're not really doing it. But and you know we hated that. But it was only it was there's only one way it was going to go. It was going to go towards flag football because of the amount of money. I mean, it used to be back in the day. You know when. Um, you know, when I went to the Pro Bowl and had really good seats back then, it was like uh, it was like twenty five thousand if you lose and fifty if you win or something, which was a lot of money. Now, still, still a good chunk of money. I wouldn't well, mind it for. I mean, <laughs> compared to the NFL, yeah. Uh, but um, 
Yeah, but now all of a sudden these guys are making literally a million dollars a game. A lot of guys. This is and a good suggestion from the 360. The O-line, I think it should be maybe O-line versus D-line perhaps, but should have a hot dog eating contest. <laughs> That'd be entertaining, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Lefko's going, it doesn't need to be them. I could win that. Yeah, Lefko. Yeah, we do a pizza eating contest. I'm in. <laughs> Lefko's stomach goes down into both of his legs. <laughs> do you know I beat, I beat someone in a pizza eating challenge? About ten years ago, I can't well, number that of now, number of slices. Number and, of slices and, consumed in thirty minutes. And, and what'd nine. you do? Nine. Nine. Were they big or just kind of normal, average? like a large pizza from Domino's? We get, we went as simple really? as possible. Now gotta, you think nine is not a big number? But I know. You get like six or seven in in that short a time, and you get congealed. It gets full. There's no room <laughs> to put it. I I don't know. I I would have thought if you'd asked me what the number of pieces of pizza that you could eat i would have said more like 12 or 13 but in 30 minutes i'm somewhat it's... disappointed mike okay well, maybe dave, we can do that again dave i would be happy to try it with you oh he's challenged there's the challenge all I'll right do, yeah i'm i'm not competing in that <laughs> i'll explode <laughs> hey looking at the uh you know seahawks are going to certainly change this roster losing the, some of their free agents maybe just not bringing some back some go to other teams what have you there's a there, i mean there's a ton of names out there um, and I know we touched on this briefly because you you sent me this list and there were some linebackers that caught your eye. Linebacker, I would agree with you. I think that is the most pressing position group because because you've got age and you you technically don't have any. I mean, yeah. outside of with all due respect to Nick Ballor, you're you're Devin Bush, Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, all free agents. Yeah, doesn't mean you don't want to bring them back or maybe you want to bring one back. We'll we'll see what what coach mcdonald thinks of them but as you sit you don't have anybody to pencil in there like okay we're good we got this guy how can we add to him who's the guy who's the you don't have anybody there so is there who's who's linebacker number one that you think they could go after that you think all right if if they were to pair him with a re-signed jordan brooks or perhaps another free agent linebacker out there yeah well i think the easy answer is patrick queen because he's at number 33 in their ranking as far as, uh, you know, importance. And the guy's 25 years old entering this season, and he's run Mike McDonald's defense, and he can help out with the leadership. Now, mm-hmm. you also got Matt Abuike, your guy, and, you know, he he's a he's a D-tackle. I mean, I guess linebacker, I just look at it, you're a more complete player from the standpoint of your covering, you know, the coverages, you know, the blitzes, you know, the the run gaps, things like that. So that's why I would go with uh, Patrick Queen. But there's some other linebackers there like Levante David. Now, I know he's getting old. I mean, he's the same age as Bobby Wagner, but he's still playing at a pretty high level. And then um, the other one is um, Devin... uh, Devin White, I was really surprised to see what happened in Tampa last year. Like, maybe this could be a place where he would resurrect his career because he wasn't on the field that much. You look in that uh, all the uh, playoff game against Detroit, mm-hmm. like, he was he was barely out there. K.J. Britt was playing uh, linebacker, and this guy, Devin White, was my favorite linebacker in the league for a number of years. So maybe him, maybe Levante David. I also mentioned a guy named Frankie Louvu, who's a Washington Panthers. State guy. Yeah, Panthers, and that guy is a backbreaker. I mean, he would, as far as, look, we're going to be a physical defense, you bring that guy in, he sets the tone. Yeah, so, What do you think? What do you? Who do you think? Well, I mean, is there a special value in bringing in a Raven just because they know 
his, you know, even if it's on the offensive side, they know all about Mike McDonald. Yeah, I, I do. I really do. I, I think more specifically to defense. Now, I don't know how much different the terminology, the the responsibilities to the players that are going to remain here on this defense, how, how tough that, how big of a learning curve is it? You know, or are they going to be like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. This is a variation of what we already do. Yeah. You said they run a 3-4 in Baltimore. It's what they were doing here with 4-3 principles, Dave. Uh, but, <laughs> but so, yeah, the, the idea of having Patrick Queen or, or Matabuike coming in and going, oh, yeah, that means this. So you'd go here. This is how you – this is the run yeah. fit here. You know, I just think it, it, it couldn't – it, it couldn't not help having those guys that have been through yeah. it before. Yeah, I and mean, look, people can do that on their own. These players here, they'll, I mean, he's going to come in with his his terminology, and sometimes the coaches will actually tweak it a little bit for the guys because they're like, around here, we've been calling this forever with Pete, you know, let's make it this. And there's kind of a compromise there. But after the the practices and the film sessions get so old. You have so many of them. And, you know, we always talk about what's going on down there at practice. Like, while we're sitting here prepping for a show and everything, those guys are doing walkthroughs and film, and they're up on the grease board, and they're practicing and all that. You know, I, I think it probably takes a week of OTAs to get done, you know, get the, the transfer of terminology completed where it's like okay this is where we're at and we're moving on so it's not that big of a deal but like you said it can't hurt to yeah. have someone here and if it's all things are equal or you know maybe patrick queen is one of those guys that's just a trend center setter and uh, a tempo setter and that's a guy that you know he goes to john schneider and says this is a guy i really want here i think you know yeah why not I'll be curious to see if they, because they've got a couple of guards available, and I, don't, I haven't been watching the Ravens' O line all year. But they've, I, I'm curious to see how he feels about what they have with the O line, because it, it it was injured like crazy, certainly. But then you have guys like Damian Lewis, we've talked about, going, man, that first year felt like his his peak, and for whatever reason, then he moves to the other side, really struggled, and it just it hasn't come together the way you you'd hoped. But you talked about other people saying, yeah, he, he played pretty well, and. Having a different feeling about him, so I don't. I don't know if they feel any urgency to, you know, get somebody that's going to be there if if Abe Lucas can't go. If he's just a guy who's not a seventeen game guy or fifteen game guy, even you got to have somebody who's close to that. You can't have a big drop off there. So you know, what's what's the urgency in addressing the old line? I'm going to be very interested to see that. Yeah, yeah, that that will be, and you know, getting the offensive coordinator just in place and everything. And by the way, Brandon, son of Augustuson, wrote this uh, on Seven Ten Sports. But yeah, talking about which Ravens free agents could join Mike McDonald here in Seattle, and it'll be interesting if that's if he really goes to John Mike McDonald and says, you know, pounds the table for a certain player or a certain cool. coach. Yeah, exactly. You'd think, okay, this guy's coming in here and he really, for Mike McDonald, exemplifies what that defense is all about. All right, coming up, he gave Mike McDonald his first college coaching position. We're going to talk to former Georgia head coach Mark Richt. He's going to join us next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.